0: Sorry, the number you
1: dialed is not in service at this time. Welcome to the
0: tale of the tape. It's the pound for pound undisputed kings. It's the tale of the tape. Time to enter the ring. Boxing knowledge dropped by Kenny and Vin. It's a sweet science by the diehard fan. Manny and Floyd, Triple G and the rest. Like an overhand right from Crockett Willem. The tale of the tape on theboxingramp.com. It's the pound for pound undisputed kings. It's the tale of the tape. Time to enter the ring. The tale of the tape on theboxingramp.com. Welcome back to the Tale of the Tape. What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 137 of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing podcast, the Tale of the Tape. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always,
1: by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's up, brother? We finally get a fight to talk about, except nobody seems to care to talk about it. Well, we will, then. <laughs> and it's not just
0: because we've been on two weeks hiatus either. Yeah, seriously. Because we promise you, we've been working. We've been working. Oh, you've seen them videos? Absolutely. And if you haven't seen them videos, make sure you drop by theboxingrant.com today for all the new videos from the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. And be sure to subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel today. I mean, look, we're not going into it in this episode, Ven, But there's videos on the Klitschko-Joshua saga, mm-hmm. Golovkin-Jacobs saga, Frampton Santa Cruz fight announcement. We'll talk a little bit about that in here. There's some good videos and and uh, and some good ones coming down the pipe to a YouTube channel near you. Indeed, my friend. Indeed. So you are tuned in to episode 137 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Again, you can go to theboxingrant.com for all the ways to subscribe to the podcast today. You can get it on iTunes. You can get it on Google Play, Spreaker, and of course, subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. So after 2 weeks hiatus, we are back. Episode 137. It's Pacquiao fight weekend, Vin. It's the big fight of the weekend and top rank is uh well, the training wheels are off. They're back on their own. Yeah. Away from HBO pay-per-view and it's Manny Pacquiao versus Jesse Vargas. Now, this is a tale of two uh sort of perspectives on how this fight is doing so far before um, the opening bell, mm-hmm. you have the tickets are going great for this fight because they priced them reasonably. They're having it at the Thomas and Mack Center. we got a, a, a native Las Vegas fighter in Jesse Vargas who's fought most of his career in the cozy confines of Las Vegas. Pacquiao, of course, always does well there, and they load the undercard with some championship fights. Got some Mexican fighters on the card as well. So it's doing really well at the gate just There's so much argument right now, and it's all speculation, and who really gives a shit at the end of the day. How well is this thing gonna do on pay-per-view? Top rank going solo without HBO.
1: Yeah, I mean the buzz leading up to this, Ken, I mean, there's absolutely none. Zero. I mean, this is the first time, you know, there was minimal buzz for Pacquiao Bradley three. But that was at least a name. Nobody wanted to see it, but still Timothy Bradley, and if if Pacquiao was going to fall off the Cliff, Bradley may be the one to push him off the ledge, but I don't know, man. This fight just... Vargas is an unknown outside of diehards, you know. even though he holds a belt. He's kind of an unknown in the UK where Manny Pacquiao has a big fan base over there. Manny, Manny Pacquiao's got a worldwide fan base. Absolutely. And to his fan base, Vargas is unknown, and I think there's a lot of people, including me as being one of them, that, look, I'm still a huge Manny fan, but I've kind of fucking cooled a little bit. And this fight just doesn't really fucking do it for me. I mean, it's going to be a good fight. Don't get me wrong. I expect a good fight, but I can understand why there's no buzz for it.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, Manny Pacquiao is at that point in his career. Look, a lot of people just wanted him to go away after the Mayweather fight. He came back, put on a good performance against Timothy Bradley. Um, He surprised the hell out of me, and I actually thought that it was the most decisive victory of his three fights. Absolutely. um, Against Timothy Bradley, and I thought that there was an obvious dedication to what he was doing leading into that fight. You know, hearing the same exact things here. He spent a lot more time in the Philippines because of his uh, political duties and whatnot, but he also stayed over there for the longest he's ever been before fight before traveling to the United States. We heard that he got some you know uh, you know whether it was air sickness or whatever else he took two or three days off of training um, once he arrived to Los Angeles but from all indications from what I hear Pacquiao looks to be as focused and charged for this fight as any Jesse Vargas is really the is really the issue here coupled with Pacquiao's diminished returns at the pay-per-view gate is like you said is his name and and and, and let's be honest Jesse Vargas's reputation in the sport will probably be well I I would say his 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 fan base would be bigger because his reputation would be more positive. This was a guy who was coming up who was pretty highly touted. The road that he took and the decisions that he received, um, there were a lot of criticisms of Jesse Vargas early in his career. He wasn't getting the credit for the wins that he was getting because a lot of people thought it was home cooking. So it took him kind of taking it to the next level, fighting outside of- outside of uh, the cozy confines of Las Vegas and basically saying, I'm not going to let the judges ruin my reputation because I feel I won those fights. And he has come out and gone balls to the wall. We saw it at the, in the second half of the Bradley fight, and we saw just a, a possessed demon uh, the night that he knocked out Saddam Ali, who was a highly regarded prospect. So, look, Jesse Vargas has you know a good resume as it looks on paper, mm-hmm. but the way that he fights... Now, compared to when he was on the you know, the better, the winning end of those questionable decisions, the way that he fights now has me as a Jesse Vargas fan. But like you said, I, you, our listeners, we fall into the category of diehard boxing fans, so we know who Jesse Vargas is. Right. We're very familiar with it, so it becomes pretty easy and natural when you look at the trend of these two fighters, where they're at in their career, and just look at their last fights. This has a recipe, and I've been saying it since this fight was consummated since the rumors of the Terrence Crawford fight fell through. I've been saying it, and I'm going to stick to it. Pacquiao Vargas, this is my sleeper candidate for fight of the year, Then, Regardless of the buzz and how excited anybody is to see this fight, if you pay for this card, I guarantee it's going to deliver. Pacquiao Vargas is going to be a good fight,
1: man. Uh, yeah, look, I, I I fall on the same side of the boat as you. I, I I do believe that this fight will end up being, if you pay for it, you will get your money's worth, without a doubt. I mean... You spoke on what Vargas has become uh, you know, in the last year and a half, two years of his career, which is a completely transformed fighter. He has gone to a more of a, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to get, get you out of there style as mm-hmm. opposed to box and win win rounds, which against Manny Pacquiao, I feel like the style that he's developed suits him much better now than if, if he were to have his old style and, and had skated to a few more cheap decisions and somehow got this fight. I, you know he he landed some big overhand rights against Saddam Ali and counters counter overhand rights, which is that's the one crutch in Pacquiao's game, which it, it seems to have been throughout his career. Anyway, so I, look, I give Vargas a lot better chance in this fight than I think a lot of people do because let's be honest with Pacquiao, you know, now taking it, most of his training to the Philippines. Which I see as a bit of a detriment because I can't believe that the focus is there that would be had he been training at Wildcard for six weeks. I know he. I can I, see that, Ben. I know that he, you know, his pre- previous four or five fights, he'd been training in the Philippines for yeah. a couple weeks and then he came over here. Now it was the last week or two weeks before the fight he came over. I think that could play a part in this fight. You know, he's old. It, it, everything leading into this fight is in Vargas's favor. I, if you're a gambling man it's almost it's it's so tasty to just put a little put a little nugget out there on Vargas man I don't know what the odds are I haven't looked at it yet I'd imagine he's he's got to be five to one six to one maybe I mean I I don't see bookies giving him much respect at all And hey, look this this can you we were talking before the show and I said I you know i I'm not sure if I would be buying this fight if I was just sitting there by myself watching it. me and you were going to split the cost and get the fight. But I, you know, I just assume if I, if that wasn't happening, I'd just stream this motherfucker because <laughs> I'm tired. I've, I've, I've paid enough. Plus the, the run of pay-per-views that we have coming with this, you got UFC 205, which I'm already in on. I'm, oh, I'm all in.
0: No doubt. No I'm doubt. sold.
1: Thanks. I can't wait. Thanks boxing. Now I like the UFC a little bit. <laughs> You fucked up that much. Uh, And then after that, you got Kovalev Ward. So if you're going to pay for two or three and you're asking me, I'm buying UFC 205 and I'm going Kovalev Ward.
0: Well, Manny is minus 700 right now. Yeah. Okay, so the plus uh, 525, that's the bet you want to take.
1: Yeah, I mean, dude, drop 20 bucks on that.
0: Why not? Yeah, I just think, dude, look, Jesse Vargas finally caught up to Timothy Bradley, but Timothy Bradley out-athleted and out-quicked. Jesse Vargas and, and controlled yeah. most of that fight, you know, winning nine or ten rounds on most people's scorecards.
1: One more round, that fight might have been over. A-
0: absolutely, and that's the thing, though. I-, I don't know, even at this age of Manny Pacquiao, I mean, dude, he looked like the superior athlete in the ring against Timothy Bradley. Oh, yeah. So, when you see these two together, just it just it while Jesse Vargas is much more threatening of a fighter, and I think he's going to put on a great yep.
1: show. Bigger punch, for sure.
0: Yeah, I just think that Pacquiao, his athleticism, dude, and Jesse Vargas's willingness to sell out and the need, let's be honest. He has to sell out if he's oh, yeah. gonna win this yeah. fight. He ain't gonna outbox Manny Pacquiao. No. That's not gonna happen. Um, but dude, I'll tell you right now, he uh while Manny Pacquiao has a propensity to eat big right hands, Jesse Vargas has not been on the receiving end of that of that quick, lightning, powerful straight left for Manny Pacquiao.
1: Yeah, I mean look that it just it, it all kind of depends, you know. It's just one of the things where you're sitting back and you're waiting for Manny to not be as good as he once was. And that you could not take that from the Bradley fight. If you watch that fight, there's no way you come out of that fight saying Pacquiao's lost it. He's lost a step. He's lost you know, he's lost quickness. Uh he may have lost a little bit of that a few years back. Yeah. But I don't think any of any more has gone anywhere. I he still seemed to be at about eighty to five to ninety percent of what he was at his peak, which is better. Than everybody that remains at 147 pounds right now. Yeah. I mean, people, he kind of has fallen completely out of the conversation of who's the best welterweight in the world. And he doesn't have a belt, but if you were to put him in the ring tomorrow against anybody in the division, he's going to be a huge favorite. <laughs> He literally is going to be like a three to one favorite in the closest fight.
0: People are so obsessed about talking about two dipshits and Keith Thurman and Danny Garcia (laughs) that are, oh, they're supposedly going to fight on March 4th. So we should just be, oh, so super excited at the fact that these guys haven't fought in fucking forever. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Right. The conversation is around these two idiots. Meanwhile, Manny Pacquiao just goes about business. It becomes more controversial because he thinks that people who chop their dick off should be burnt in a in a, in a fire and, and flogged <laughs> in the town square. I mean, I back Manny Pacquiao on that. I, I you know, I feel the same way. You
1: ain't get no argument from me on that. Uh,
0: but anyways, that's the kind of attention that he's been getting from the mainstream media that right. lo- that loved him before. That same media turned on him when he got old and started saying controversial, or I shouldn't say controversial. I should say politically incorrect things.
1: Well, let's let's just say I hate to say this, but <laughs> Manny was a bigger killer when he was drinking and smoking cigs in between fights. <laughs> That's true. And then he turned to God. He stopped. He stopped murdering people in the ring, man. Oh, dude, there were so
0: many, so many just uh, uh, mercy, mercy. You know what I mean? It's just like they they give him that look,
1: like, no, Manny,
0: don't hit me with that left again.
1: Manny, go back to the booze and and hookers and cigs, would you? <laughs> <laughs> knock somebody out well if he keeps on fighting and he takes a
0: beating along the way that may be his only resort Yeah, right. <laughs> especially when he runs out of money you think those ten thousand latchers on that follow him everywhere around the world
1: yeah he, he look manny will be a guy I, I think we're gonna see him i'll be honest ken you know well if you want to go ahead and just get into predictions for this fight whatever man I, go for look, it look I, I i think manny's going to beat beat him by 10, 10 rounds of two uh, 11 to 1 But there will be times in this fight where it will be entertaining because Vargas will land a big shot. Oh, sure. And I'm not taking out of the equation that Manny Pacquiao doesn't catch a flash knockdown in this fight from a counter right hand. But I just think he's just too quick. He's too much. He'll dominate.
0: Yeah, I think Pacquiao's probably going to win uh eight or nine rounds mm-hmm. but i think this scorecard is going to be enormously wide because yeah. i think pacquiao is going to drop vargas three or four times
1: yeah i mean if you're vargas you know you kind of got to look for the big shot that's yeah. your only chance
0: pacquiao might not be able to knock you out anymore but he is still drop your ass yeah
1: oh and, and look Var- the whole the entire vargas camp is banking on like they're hoping and praying every night that The marquez punch well, yeah the marquez <laughs> punch and that manny is just not manny anymore yeah yeah. They may look if they caught him at the right time, you know how big that is for Vargas's career? Oh, it's huge. He immediately becomes a you gotta go, what is he the best welterweight in the world? Um <laughs> We'll never know, Vin. Yeah.
0: Because Danny Garcia and Keith Thurman are having an imaginary fight.
1: Well that'll decide it. <laughs> that'll decide everything. That'll decide who the world powers are. Yep. Yep. Won't
0: be between US and Russia anymore, will it? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, look. As much as I want to sit here and be Freddie Roach and, and predict a knockout from Pacquiao, because, look, I was it. I was thoroughly impressed with what he did to Tim Bradley. That, dude, his ability to put Bradley on his ass multiple times right. and the way that he just absolutely masterclassed. Dude, that was a really good boxing performance from Manny. Manny is action-packed enough to make a boxing performance like that work again for him in this fight. He can mm-hmm. he can box Jesse Vargas the same way and put on show uh, Pacquiao very decisively. Yeah. Um, but look, man, it's not just about Manny Pacquiao because there are people behind him. One, one guy in particular, a guy that uh, shined during his time on the boxing rant prospect list, Oscar Valdez, one of the very best young fighters in the world, a guy that epitomizes what boxing is all about. When we talk about professional prize fighters, there are very few guys that stay in the gym year-round. They're professional athletes. Guys like Bernard Hopkins has done that his entire career. Mm-hmm. Triple G is famous for that of, of big fighters today. Doesn't come in, always stays ready. He showed up to camp even though the uh, Jacobs fight. You, you do, because he's not going to come to a camp over 170 pounds. It's just, that's not how these guys, these professional athletes, the guys, they don't just dare to be great and they fight in exciting styles. Oscar Valdez epitomizes what it is to be a professional in any profession, not just boxing.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's nobody, no young fighter in boxing right now. I think that is as focused as he is that I see, and, and it's, in America anyway. Yeah, and it shows yeah. in his fights. I mean, his last five performances have been so fucking sharp, mm-hmm. so crisp. His punching, his combinations are unbelievable. He get he mixes in something different every fight. He Brings a fucking relentless attack, too. I mean, he is not a guy that's in there to play around. He wants to finish the motherfucker inside of eight rounds. He wants to make his money and get out. And he, right now, Ken, he is quickly becoming one of the most exciting fighters in boxing. If you do not realize that, uh, you need to quickly because this is going to be the man in that division very soon. See, here's
0: what I think, and people will disagree with me, and I'm sure I'll catch some heat on this, but but I want to hear what people's arguments are on the other side of this. I'll say it right now, okay? I think that Oscar Valdez is better than Gary Russell Jr. right now. Oh, and and here's why I'll say this: people will be like, "Oh, Gary Russell, he was a champion before." Yeah, but look at Gary Russell's resume. Gary Russell has no resume to speak of. The only meaningful fight outside of fighting a completely debilitated, over the hill, and shot-worn fighter. And Johnny Gonzalez to win that WBC 126 title, dude, he's fought nobody. And he got his ass whooped by Vasily Lomachenko. I'm saying right now, as it stands today, there is only one featherweight in the world that is better than Oscar Valdez, and that is Carl Frampton, period.
1: Yeah, and look, I, Valdez ain't far. He's fucking no. nipping on Frampton's heels. If that, fight, they, if that fight was made tomorrow, I'd have a hard time picking the winner of that fight.
0: Oscar Valdez is the newly crowned WBO featherweight champion. He right. has a lot to do. On his ride, Carl Frampton is far more advanced at the professional level. Yeah. Um, What Oscar Valdez does possess, just like Carl Frampton, just like Vasily Lomachenko, just like top operators in the sport. And they all seem to come from 126 pounds, don't they? Nowadays, yeah. But all these top operators at 126 pounds that I'm speaking of all have vast, deep, experienced amateur backgrounds. Um, Oscar Valdez has... Applied his, we've seen it recently from Vasily Lomachenko. He, he knows he needs to, you know, fight more aggressive and more exciting because he can finish people. He just is used to his amateur style. Oscar Valdez is translated better than anybody from the amateur um, elite into the pros. For young fighters over the last two or three years, it's yet to be proven with Alexander Usyk. But when we talk about guys like Usyk and Valdez, we're talking about the very best of the best that have come out of the prospect ranks. That's the next generation. It, it is. It, it it very much is. But Oscar Valdez's uh, transition from amateur into professional, his style um, is is star making. He is in the co-feature of this above the likes of Nonito Donaire, who him himself is in a you know second chapter of his career. Um, has regained his world form um, and is an exciting fighting style at 122 pounds. has taken on Jesse Magdaleno in a fight that could be the most competitive and evenly matched fight of the evening, just based off of these guys' fighting styles and where they are in their careers. But let's not forget that Nunito Donaire was a fighter of the year. Nonito Donaire was a star in, in boxing for a three- or four-year period. I mean, this guy was on everybody's pound-for-pound pound list, and need or Nair is still a big name, especially in the top rank stable. This is a top rank pay pay-per-view, but Oscar Valdez is the future, and putting him in the co-feature to this fight is going to have more eyes on him than he's had before, and this is good for Oscar Valdez. And the guy he's fighting in Hiroshige Asawa, dude, this guy, he knows how to fight. And Japanese fighters, you cannot take them lightly because you will be in for it. You either put them away or they will be there all night.
1: Yeah, look, I, it, it's definitely not an easy fight. I will say this, uh, you know, Osawa's been a guy that's not very traveled as a fighter, but that that, that you know we've seen guys that aren't very traveled come over and, and 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 fight real tough, and I expect him to be a tough fighter. All a lot of the Asian fighters are very very tough, but I dude Valdez just has way too much for him. Oh, there's no doubt about way that. too much. I mean, this is going to be a. You know, I'm not going to say it's not a set up knock-em-down fight, but it, it is. This is a set-up fight for Valdez to look spectacular and have a spectacular knockout in the first six or seven rounds. Look, he is, I mean, let's be honest, top-rank doesn't have a whole lot in the bank right now. I mean, they got fighters, but they don't have a ton. This may end up being one of Aram's two or three biggest stars in, in two years.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the trajectory. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, look, Bob's got some, some really, really talented fighters, but he's very top-heavy. You're right. Yeah. The depth and top rank isn't what it used to be. No. He's still got stars,
1: though. But they're older.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's got Lomachenko. He's yeah. got Crawford, Valdez, Pacquiao, who's super old now. Right. You know what I mean? Jesse Vargas. So it, it is what it is, but what happens is these guys, regardless of how talented they are, it gets a little tiring when you're just rotating the same in-house fighters. The same goes for the PBC. Oh, yeah. A lot of this, of the result of the PBC, is that everybody's fighting in-house now. You know what I mean? Um, but we hope to see, dude, Oscar Valdez is going to be the kind of guy that's going to, people will have mandatory fights against him. He is going to seek and, and and try to find unification fights. He's not the kind of fighter. Oscar Valdez will never be accused of uh, uh, taking it easy. I mean, I mean, dude, he's running marathons in between fights
1: yeah i don't i don't see him as being one of those fighters as serious as he seems to take this sport and and what a legacy means in this sport yeah and especially as a mexican fighter yeah i I expect him to have a great career
0: and guess what all of that said plus his 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 performances he's put on so far and what we anticipate from him in the future dude those are immediate attractions to follow a fighter see the pbc just thinks hey we're just going to tell you these guys are famous, and we're going to pay them a lot of money, and they're going to floss money, so you're going to think they're famous, but then when you're really going to realize they're just a bunch of propped-up frauds, Oscar Valdez is the exact opposite of what these guys stand for. So when you stand for and, and kind of epitomize those kind of things, hard work ethic, uh, hard work ethic a dedication to your craft, you want to be professional, you want to be remembered, Oscar Valdez, man, put your eyes on him.
1: I, I, I'll tell you what, I will. After this fight, I would like to see him in a in against a really tough journeyman former champ. Yeah, somebody that's yeah, somebody that is going to be really really tough for him to get out of there. For where in a fight where he's going to have to work hard for twelve rounds. Huh. I you know I don't know where you get that opponent. I'm not looking at a list of the fighters in that division right now, but that's that's what I'd like to see him the type of fight I'd like to see him in next. Yeah. As long as it's
0: not Vic Darchinian, I'm cool with it.
1: Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> I think Vic's on a permanent fucking vacation right uh, yeah, now. Yeah, he's
0: playing ping pong with, uh, who was he? It was him and Sugar, Sugar Ray, Ray and Vic. Yeah, that was the that was the shtick on that Robert Guerrero fight. <laughs> that was so fucking That bad. had like 400 people at it at noon. They were like, hey, let's cut from
1: the fight and go to a one-on-one ping pong match with Vic Darchinian and Sugar Ray Leonard. <laughs> what happened to Sugar Ray Leonard? Sugar Ray was like, ah, I couldn't afford Sugar Ray anymore, I don't anymore, know if huh? I
0: want my name associated with this. <laughs> oh man! All right, so we briefly mentioned it. Nonito Donaire versus Jesse Magdaleno for the WBO Super Bantamweight title. Um, Donaire Magdaleno, this is a mandatory challenge. Magdaleno is a tough, rugged customer, and he is hungry. I'm telling you right mm-hmm. now, man. If Nonito Donaire cannot sustain twelve balanced rounds against this guy. He's is going to be fucked because if he comes out the gates trying to knock him out like he did his last fight against Cesar Juarez, dude, I'm telling you right now, D- Donaire will be knocked out by the eighth round.
1: I think that's Donaire now, though. I mean, that's what he's been doing. That's all he's got. Yeah. He's just he's trying to end fights. And you're right. Who was he fighting last fight? God damn it. I can't remember. Juarez. Juarez. Yeah, C- yeah Cesar Juarez. Dude, he came out... F- throwing fucking bombs. I mean absolute bombs. And yeah, by the 7th round he was done. Well, Zolt Bedak was his well, last fight. We're Zolt, talking about his last real fight. Zolt doesn't count. Yeah. Zolt was just a fucking payday. I forgot <laughs> I forgot about old Zolt Bedak. <laughs> uh, look, I I don't I don't see any way that this isn't I mean this this has the capability of being n- not even not only the best fight on the card, but the most competitive fight on the card. Yeah. I would expect this one to be a very, very nice appetizer for the rest of the night.
0: Yeah, this is the table setter. Yeah. Right here. Um yeah, dude that it is. Look, Donaire will show in this fight that he is the more athletic fighter, even at his more advanced age for the weight class, anyways. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This guy's fucking six years younger than us and we're sitting here saying he's advanced. <laughs> advanced in age. What would
1: they say about us then? <laughs> hey, well we uh we apparently uh, look younger than we sound, Ken. Well, the podcast listeners won't know that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh man, but yeah, look, Magdaleno's a, a hungry fighter, man, and I. Oh yeah, and, and I think while Donaire will probably sting him, and and he'll probably look crafty, and you know have that good footwork, and uh, you know electric hands. He's he's. I hate to say this, I don't want to be a party pooper because I, I I'm with you. I think this is going to be a really good fight but I almost feel like Donaire's going to have to kind of like ease back a little bit and try to box to win this. Otherwise I just think Magdalena is going to be too much over 12 rounds. I really, I, I really do.
1: I'm not going to argue with you. I'm, I was just about to say, uh, this is the fight to bet on the underdog and have the most confidence in, in the underdog in this fight, because I can easily see Donaire just getting worn down by Magdaleno. Magdalena was no joke. And Donair is not a fighter who look, He's never been a guy that's in later rounds had much in the tank, no I mean that started with Rigo, but ever since that was exposed, that's kind of been one thing you've noticed in any fight that that Donaire's in that that goes twelve rounds. I'm picking the upset, Ken. I'm taking Magdaleno in this fight. I know most people aren't, and look we even we heard Aram come out this week and say uh He's not scared to match Donaire with the winner of, of Frampton Santa Cruz and we and we've seen uh top rank and, and Al have kind of broken bread a few times now, and it looks like they're gonna there's gonna be some type of relationship moving forward. That's a that's a big carrot to dangle in front of Nonito. That's a that's a big payday for him and a big fight that he hasn't had in a long time.
0: Maybe this newfound uh relationship that uh, Big Papa Al and uh and and Bob, honest Bob, have have now is centered around serving up has-beens that used to be A-sides as B-sides. That's what it sounds like. And then eventually, occasionally, we'll swing back around and pit our A-sides against one another when it's mutually beneficial. Uh, look,
1: <laughs> that makes perfect sense. They ought to be doing that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know what? And most boxing fans wouldn't be any. Uh, they wouldn't be aware of any of it. No. You know what I mean? They'd just be like, oh, good fight, whatever. Yep. Let's do it. So if that's the case... Then uh, you can shut us up and all the uh, you know the trolls on Twitter that have three or four followers, you know, and the three or four followers of their buddies that they want to impress <laughs> by saying funny shit to famous people. Just make the fights, yeah, right. Just get it done. Um, hey man, I'm I'm up for whatever. I I'm I'm with you though. You know, I wish I could take Nonito Donaire in this, and as much as I love watching him fight and have enjoyed his career. The beat down that he received from Nicholas Walters is eventually going to be paid back to him by somebody that can crack a little bit. Look, Cesar Juarez, for as fucking tough as he was, man, he was out he wasn't even the harder puncher in the fight, no, you know what I mean? No. It's just O'Nair went from being super active for six rounds and be, his feet set in concrete in the second six rounds, and he took an absolute pounding on the ropes because he couldn't get away anymore. And Magdaleno is going to bring more athletic pressure earlier um, than what Juarez did. I mean, let's be honest. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is a young spry kid. Cesar Juarez was a fucking like, you know, like a 55 year old construction worker wrapped in a 30 year old Mexican's body. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. This is going to be a way tougher fight, man. Absolutely. I, I, that's why i look i got it i got I to gotta take magdaleno i'm
0: taking magdaleno 11th round tko it's really? going to be one of those ones where you're like
1: whoa he's so tired ref stop the fight like he drops to a knee in the corner yeah uh, miguel cotto margarito or a jermaine taylor carl Frotch. yeah you know we're done
0: some yeah one big hit and it was like "Ooh, he had nothing left did he um dude either way we get three title fights the warren boxing organization since their fighters aren't fighting over in the U.K., since Frank Warren uh, doesn't have them active, he's probably getting kickbacks from the WBO for Bob Arum, who's also sponsored by the WBO. Yeah. For an all-WBO triple (laughs) championship throwdown. (laughs)
1: Extravaganza.
0: But honestly, I mean, look, I think if this is the importance of the Donaire fight. If this Donaire Magdaleno fight's not on this card, let's just say it was some other filler bout, right?
1: Oh, this card stinks.
0: Then we would be talking about a... A WBO showcase card basically. Because yeah. not, not enough people know about Jesse Vargas. Even though it is that, Donair versus Magdaleno masks the fact that it is that because this is a real fight.
1: Yes, there are three quality fights with capital F I G H T S on it. I yes. mean it's a as much as it's a card that I would said I wouldn't buy, you can't complain about the matchups on this card. No. Are they pay per view worthy? Not in my opinion. But they're good fucking matchups.
0: And then, I mean, look, we've talked about this really good triple header right here. Mm-hmm. But what we have not talked about is what is really going to sell the tickets to this fight. And what's that, sir? And that is the wind up Muppet himself, Stephen A. Smith. Oh, Jesus Christ. At least Brian Kenny will be there to try
1: to, I well, hope, probably provoke
0: him. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah,
1: he probably will. So who's
0: calling this fight?
1: Who is it? It's, it's Kenny, Stephen A. Smith, and uh, Tim Bradley. Yeah, that's it. That's the three. But and uh, what's her name is uh, Carissa Carissa Thompson, which is a sweet piece of candy. Oh <laughs> <laughs> what? That bitch is bad boy.
0: <laughs> is is she going to be calling the fighter? She She's going to be, gonna doing, be
1: doing, doing interviews, interviews with the yeah. corner
0: and stuff. Yeah, um, dude, it's going to be interesting. Look, this is smart. Bob Arum's like, I'm rich. I'm going to pay Stephen A. Smith probably. More than what we can even sit here and try to calculate because he's probably getting paid more than we could even assume. But let's be honest, what is he paying for? Yeah, is he paying for the sound bites and the future promotional clips of having Stephen A. Smith associated with this? Maybe this is a future relationship. Maybe this turns into a a huge promotional tool, tool for him. But for the immediate impact of this, they needed a big name to help sell this fight. And why not go to a guy that has millions of Twitter followers? So he's basically paying... For access to his
1: followers. Well, yeah, and look, l- let's be honest. This may not be the last time we see a top rank pay per view. No. So this may end up being their guy, and this may be Aram's road to the Casuals. And it
0: may end up being really good.
1: Yeah. I, look, <laughs> I I highly highly <laughs> doubt that. But <laughs> I, it, it'll at least be a shit show. Enough worth tuning into for the first eh, the first time. <laughs> it'll be
0: enough for us to tune into to to give us something to talk about on the next podcast
1: absolutely it'll (laughs) give us plenty of shit to talk about that's a guarantee
0: oh it's so funny man yeah it's interesting there's a there's a lot of different factors that are playing into into this promotion where it goes we shall see all i know is vin is going to bite the bullet and make the uh the drive up the mountain uh up here to watch the fight
1: i'll be here yeah i'll foot half the bill
0: Dude, if you're going to drive to the voting uh, booth to uh, place your vote, cast your vote for Hillary Clinton, you will make the drive. Shit.
1: <laughs> Fuck <laughs> you.
0: Oh, crooked Hillary. All right, enough of that talk. Enough of that nonsense. Let's get back to something a little less corrupt than politics.
1: Please. Boxing. Yeah. <laughs> and,
0: nice try. And what better transition than a quick stop, then, before we move into these fight announcements? Mm-hmm. How about a little Juanma Lopez versus Wilfredo Vasquez Jr.? Um, I don't really care about the fight. I don't think that Juanma should have been sanctioned to fight anywhere. After uh, just, I thought his head was uh, was like he was in an episode of Futurama where his head was in a glass case (laughs) being kept alive. Juanma Lopez steps back in the ring and it is what happens at the end of this fight when he knocks out Wilfredo Vasquez that got the
1: boxing world all up in a tizzy oh i mean it's just puerto ricans going wild ken (laughs) that's the first like they're just way too much emotion the rivalry that i mean i don't know much about the rivalry between them but there apparently is one and and look i'll tell you this that trainer vasquez's trainer he landed a fucking serious (laughs) left hook i mean that thing was on the button dude I was like, holy shit. Dude, how did that start? He threw two of them. How did it start? He knocked out Vasquez. And then uh, the trainer jumped in the ring, and uh, Lopez is just coming at him with his arms out, talking shit. And all of a sudden, it fucking explodes. (laughs) He just runs in and throws a left hook, (laughs) and he gets caught by a counter left hook. (laughs) That was on the fucking button, dude. Oh, man. so uh, Uh, That's about what I'd expect from that. I mean, Jesus Christ. Are they going to let him fight again? I mean, just put him back on the map. I'm sure that gets him another fight. Yuri Gamboa is looking for a fight. Let's make it happen. <laughs> eight years too late. <laughs> you thought you thought
0: Mayweather Pacquiao was too late? Yeah. Juanma Lopez Yuri Gamboa. Uh, yeah, eight years in the making. <laughs> Will it be on top rank pay per view? Vin, <laughs>
1: super fight.
0: <laughs> oh man. Okay. Juanma making headlines again.
1: I guess that's what he does, right? right. He's back in the news. I'll ba- give him that. In the news. Yeah. <laughs> like this is where people come for their news i mean that's uh, in the world i live in yeah, me too
0: <laughs> it's got kind of, it's like what i i like to model my podcasting career actually vin and i both do we're like the charlo twins of uh of, <laughs> of podcasting we are the biggest thing in the podcasting world in our own worlds does,
1: does there a reality that exists <laughs> outside of the studio that not outside I don't know of about? this little
0: bubble <laughs> Yeah, we'll just keep it that way, Vin.
1: How's that sound? That sounds good to me. All
0: right, let's get to these fight announcements. Uh, Showtime coming out with a string of fights. Some of these were already announced. Some of these, Vin and I have already discussed on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. So go to YouTube, search the Boxing Rant, and subscribe today. But we'll go through them real quick. All right, December 10th, Showtime Championship Boxing, the Galen Center, University of Southern California campus, Jesus Quajar versus Abner Mares for the WBA, JV, featherweight, Title, A&M, and t uh, Cuellar, Mares, I know this is weird to a lot of people considering the fact that this is Showtime Championship Boxing and there's not an actual title at stake here except for some ornamental whatever it is. There is a championship fight on the card, though, Vin. Jamal Charlo versus Julian Williams, a fight. I can't remember the last time that a mandatory fight took nine months to make, but uh, apparently Charlo Williams is going to happen, and it's not the main event, and this is by far... The most evenly matched fight probably out of all these fights we're about to discuss is, on paper, Charlo versus Julian Williams, two guys that haven't had a real fight in their careers, two young, hungry guys. One, I speculate, is a little bit more hungry. Uh, Yeah. But let's be honest. It's the better fight, but Cuellar Mares steals the show. Are they trying to boost Cuellar to another level by feeding him uh, Abner Mares, who has shown no signs of being able to do any damage to anything at 126 pounds. I mean, Quayar is a monster in this
1: fight. Yeah, he's way bigger than Mars. I think he's going <laughs> to steamroll Mars. I mean, I don't even think that's going to be close. It's like
0: the difference in the neck sizes that you saw at the weigh-in. It doesn't seem Between fair. Golovkin and Kel, not even at the weigh-in. When they announced the fight, when it was Golovkin and Kel Brook, everybody was like, Brook might be 170 right now, but Golovkin's neck is three times bigger. Yeah, easily. And that's what Cuellar Marez's pictures yeah, look like.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, they don't even look like they should be fighting when they're standing next to each other.
0: Marez kind of delayed this fight a little bit because he had an eye injury. Is that what it was? I believe it was an eye injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you think he was postponing the fight because it was a legitimate eye injury or the fact that he was having to go directly in after Santa Cruz in with a guy like yeah, I, I, look. Or was I, he waiting for the return of Richard Sa- Schaefer?
1: Uh, that's, I think that's what it was. Really? I don't know, man. <laughs> I, yeah, I think he probably needed a little extra time off cause yeah. he took a beating in that fight. That was a tough fight. It was a really tough fight. He's fighting a much bigger guy, and he's fighting a much bigger guy this time. So, what's your prediction then? Uh, early, early. He's gonna. I think he'll last the fight, but I, I, he's gonna get dominated late. I, I think the second half of the fight he will get steamrolled each round, and just he won't. He'll be surviving, and he'll survive, but he'll lose. If he comes
0: out the same way that he did against Leo Santa Cruz, shot out of a cannon, this will be Johnny Gonzalez 2.0. You think so? He'll get knocked out in the first round.
1: Yeah, I mean, look. You can't come at Cuellar like that. That that is the difference. You can come at Santa Cruz like that. You can't come at Cuellar like that. That's not a good choice.
0: No, not in this mismatch. Um, I'm taking Cuellar to stop Mares, but that's another story for another day. Jamal Charlo is going to defend his IBF junior middleweight title against Julian J. Rock Williams. This is the big shot that we've all been predicting for J-Rock, the one that we've wanted. Uh, J-Rock gets a shot against Charlo, and it's in the co-feature. This is one of the just poorest. Uh, This fight, yes, it's made. We should be excited for the fight. We're going to get to see probably a pretty competitive fight. But as a fan of Julian Williams, this fight is not nearly on the level of hype and Let's be honest, these guys are not known well enough to be in a main event themselves. Abner Mares alone, uh, pretty much a guy who's at the the verge of becoming a washed-up fighter, a guy that had a great championship run in his day at much smaller weight classes, is a bigger attraction by himself than the matchup of two of the top five 154s in the world. Top five, top three. That is a serious issue.
1: Yeah, is there any, there's no other division in boxing that could pit two of the top three fighters in the division, and it would wind up being a co-feature anywhere, honestly. That's a great point. From 118 pounds all the way up to heavyweight, none of those fights. If you took the two and three fighter, which is where I rank them, you may rank them differently, whoever. Whatever, they're both in the top five. Right. Uh, Any other division. That's a main (laughs) event. It's a huge fight. This is a fucking co-feature. In front of small guys, I mean, it, it just—I I, I, don't—it just speaks to how terribly both of their careers have been handled. Now that all that aside, this is a fucking great fight. Yeah, I can't wait. And I'll be honest with you, I—I I do think it's a close fight, and I do think Jamal, Char- Jamal Charlo is a good fighter, but I think J Rock's on a different level, and I think J Rock wins ten rounds. If if not, stops Charlo. And we've are, I'm already hearing fucking chatter of Charlo's moving up to 160 after this fight. To me, that's a fucking that's building excuses. That's built-in excuses. Oh, we couldn't make the fucking weight. We can't <laughs> make the weight anymore. No, you know you're going to lose. And, his, and Charlo's trainer even came out this week and said he respects the shit out of J-Rock and thinks he's an unbelievable fighter. So that goes to show you right there. Most trainers don't, you know, they might say, yeah, he's a good fighter. But to me, that spells a little bit of fiat. Oh, absolutely! I smell it, and he's going down.
0: Do you think when we watch this uh, HBO special this weekend, previewing the Kovalev Ward fight, do you think we're going to hear John David Jackson fluffing Andre Ward?
1: Absolutely, fucking not.
0: He's going to tell you everything he sees wrong. What did he? What did he do
1: in Kovalev's (laughs) corner against his friend Bernard Hopkins? He's go kill that old man. Don't let that old man breathe. (laughs) It's true.
0: Yeah, come on. And and now and now Charles Camps coming out trying to be uh hey man yeah uh, we like these guys no yeah. the good thing is is that these two guys actually don't like each other at all
1: no so how if, could you if you are if you are J Rock I would fucking despise that entire Houston Ronnie Shields boxing fucking orgy that they have <laughs> down there where they butt fuck each other but they don't fight I'm serious man if you were outside of that loop in 154 pounds. I would, I'd be like, you are the biggest bunch of pussies.
0: Hey, uh, well, apparently Yuri Foreman must be uh, getting his in too. Oh yeah, guess he gets airslandi Laura next in Miami <laughs> Beach. He's
1: catching reach rounds. <laughs> Yuri Foreman,
0: what the, what is he doing?
1: I don't know, man. If that fight is fucking real, airslandi Laura, fuck you, man. <laughs> it is, you know, it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me. Oh, Laura, yeah. He's the fucking greatest in the world, though, Ken. The greatest uh,
0: 37-year-old, 32-year-old Cuban boxer in the world. <laughs> the biggest threat to Triple G there is. Yep, absolutely. That's why they keep him on the island. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for communism, Triple G would already have lost. I know. Oh, that doesn't make too much sense, did it, considering that Triple G comes from a... a never mind. Um, anyways, geopolitics, not really our focus here. No. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next fight announcement. Another fight that was talked about. Actually, there was a fight it seemingly a year ago. Um, where Badoo Jack and James DeGale were on the same card, and the whole promotion leading up to that card was the guarantee that these two were going to fight in the future. Well, here we are now. It's not even going to happen in 2016. But on Showtime January 14th, Badoo Jack and James DeGale will square off and try to unify the 168-pound division. And let's be honest. I mean, 168 pounds... Since Andre Ward went on hiatus and then came back and moved up to 175, and Carl Frotch retired, and Arthur Abraham got super old. Uh, Everybody that
1: was in the Super 6, Kessler gone.
0: Yeah, Frotch got knocked out in front of 80,000.
1: Bute is a <laughs>
0: roided-up freak that can't really fight. So let's be honest. These, this is a matchup of the
1: two best super middleweights in the world. Yeah. Can't argue that, can you? No, you cannot. You cannot. Now, whether, you know this that saying that you look back on the history of the, the super middleweight division this has got to be one of the worst
0: it's probably at its weakest point yeah. in its history
1: yeah but look let's let's be honest this is going to be a good fight yeah and the more and more i think about this fight i i start to like badu jack a little bit in this fight i think he can if he stays within himself and boxes i think he can do very well against gale
0: i don't disagree man i mean <clears throat> look it's these two at the top and James DeGale and Badu Jack have had opportunities to stay active, and they haven't. James DeGale is falling into that same category. While he had a great run and you know, seemingly will take on all comers, Badu Jack has that same reputation. These guys have been out of the ring for way too long, so this fight needs to deliver. Because I know that you know, while a lot of our U.K. contingency may be on the fence with this guy, and I think it's probably more has to do with the way he's been promoted and brought up than it has to do with his ability The fighting Smiths, we've seen the brothers Smith be on the world stage. I mean, Stephen Smith's got a big fight coming up, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, But it is Callum Smith, the one that we feel is by far the most talented and has the professional pedigree, the power, the size, everything that he needs to be at the top of this division. But for some reason, and maybe it's because these guys have been sitting on belts, but his path to being able to get that title shot, he was on our very first Prospect lesson 2014. Then
1: we're being fucking led down the yellow brick road by fucking Eddie Hearn right now. Seriously, because <laughs> he has fought three fucking nobodies in a row. Well, apparently, he's the mandatory to the
0: WBC title. So, if you're a boxing fan, and this has a lot to do with the fact that Badu Jack is signed to Mayweather Promotions and they're a sham promoter. I mean, let's yeah. be honest, they are what they are. He's their best fighter in their stable by far, and the, and the other most talented one wants out because Floyd Mayweather promised him millions and then told him he had to earn it. So Gervonta Davis, who knows where the hell he stands. Right. But Badou Jack's sort of, his reputation has been built in the ring. I mean, he's, he's garnered the respect of a, of a TMT cynic and myself. I, I love this guy because he lays it all on the line. But let's be honest. I mean, this guy, what's best for boxing is not Badu Jack winning this fight. What's best for boxing is James DeGale winning this fight and then, Honoring his mandatory in the United Kingdom against Callum Smith in a mega fight because over there, while our U.S. listeners would say mega fight, the fuck you talking about, Kenny? Guess what? In the U.K., oh, it's huge. That's a
1: huge fight. Yeah, that's huge, huge. Uh, uh, look, I'd, that's the fight that I'd like to see out of any right now in that division. And look, I, you know, we see uh, George Groves trying to creep his way back into the picture. I don't know what's if. if, if McQuiggan's able to make him any changes in in what he is as a fighter to get him back in the mix. I'd like to have him back in the mix, just for his mouth, just for just for what he brings he to it.
0: He just doesn't have the he, dude. He, he doesn't, doesn't seem to. He doesn't have the motor. He can't go twelve rounds strong.
1: You You would think that if DeGale loses this fight, that that leads to a Groves DeGale rematch, and that's
0: and, fine. That would be a huge fight too. Right? Redemption for the early loss and
1: crossroads fight for both of them.
0: Absolutely. Um. I think that uh, I think that George Groves needs to hire Rob McCracken, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's going to these these higher trainer stores in the UK, and it seemingly he thinks the problem is, is the guy that's training him. He goes trainer to trainer to trainer. Now, young McGuigan has a good reputation in the sport. His success with Carl Frampton is definitely reaping his benefits. We've seen trainers be able to make great success off of having one really good fighter. You know what I mean? But he also right. comes from a long lineage of he's got, he's got it running through his blood. So this might be the best decision that George Groves made. And it may get him that eventual rematch with Padu Jack, a fight that he he barely lost. Yeah. And it was a very competitive fight or at least a big cash grab against James Gale. Now Gale will be favored in that fight, but I still think all paths lead to the eventual showdown. And I'm on the other side of this then, because I think it does lead to the showdown. James Gale. Versus Callum Smith is the fight I want to see. And what makes that fight guaranteed is by him lifting the WBC title.
1: Uh, look, I, that's the fight I want to see, too. Right? I would say that those are the two best in the division. Mm, Sands, Gilberto Ramirez, who's, who's on the shelf right now. Oh, he could probably be, be, beat both these guys, too. Yeah, I think the volume work of him probably gives both of them fits. Both of them.
0: It, it, there's no, look, because Badu Jack's kind of the same guy as Gilberto Ramirez. He's just smaller. Right. He's a guy that fights with heart. You know, high, high he's constantly punching, constantly moving. De Gale is a guy who, if he fought Zerto, that would be a struggle, dude. Because while DeGale would be more athletic and probably the better boxer in the ring, Dude, he fights in way too few spurts to be able to go against a high-volume puncher like Zerto. But let's be honest, Gilberto has a lot of fights, mm-hmm. but he's just now entered the world stage.
1: Yeah, DeGale definitely has been that fighter here the last couple fights where he's like... Seems like he's doing barely enough. And don't get me wrong, they're in good fights, entertaining fights. But he's not finishing rounds. He's taking rounds off. He just seems to be like, you know what? If he If he banks enough and he thinks he's got it, he seems to sit on it, in the, at least the last couple fights.
0: Let me ask you this. I know it's all about matchups, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, like, yeah, you, you you could probably throw this scenario around with all these guys and come up with a different result. Zerto dominated Arthur Abraham, a guy that I viewed to have a little bit left in the tank. With the fighting style that Badu Jack has, don't you think Jack is tailor-made for Arthur Abraham to just destroy him? Uh... uh-
1: a straightforward fighter? Yeah, but I'd say an Arthur Abraham of three, four years ago, maybe. Not today's. Not, not, not today's Abraham. No. And that's why Gilberto got rid of Abraham just doesn't have much in the tank, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I can tell you what. I would not want to see an Abraham versus DeGale fight because both those fighters only fight about 45 seconds of each round. Oh, my God. That would yeah. be tedious. Yes. All right, so it's Jack versus DeGale, WBC and IBF, super middleweight titles on the line, unification, January 14th, Showtime Championship Boxing. Um, Vince and I have already gone super in-depth into Carl Frampton versus Leo Santa Cruz. Watch that video at TheBoxingRant.com today. And after you're done watching the video, please subscribe. Frampton versus Santa Cruz, not much to say outside of what we've already said on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel, other than I'm glad they're remaking this fight I think you said it before about you know maybe it shouldn't have been next it would have been nice to see a new matchup but in a in an era of of uh you know boxing where the top fighters in divisions don't face each other I don't consider Leo Santa Cruz to be any more than the fifth best featherweight in the world I've never thought highly of him as like a 1 2 kind of guy Right but this is still the best fight that Carl Frampton could make today and they got it done
1: Yeah and look the the card the both fights the co-main and the main this is the best card that is announced for 2017 so far. Yes, sir. There will be a card that's better than this, but this is a damn good card. And th- both of these fights will deliver on near fight of the year candidates more than likely.
0: Uh, yeah, you can pretty much guarantee that for both of these because yeah. while Mikey Garcia sometimes has been in fights where he lulls opponents to sleep before he knocks them out. Not this time, Jack. No. No, Zloty uh, ain't playing that. No, is he? So Frampton versus Santa Cruz part two, and Dejan Zlatikinin takes on Mikey Garcia for the WBC lightweight title, January twenty eighth. Showtime Championship Boxing, MGM Grand. If you if you if you are just waiting for us to talk about this and are disappointed that that's as far as we're going on the podcast, again, go to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Yeah.
1: Check, check out them videos, man. Absolutely. Um, all right, so February
0: 11th, then, I know you've been waiting the entire show. We're about 10 minutes away from an hour in, and we now have arrived. Adrian Broner versus Adrian Granados at whatever weight.
1: Oh, you know it ain't going to be 140.
0: <laughs> it's going to be what, at, whatever weight Adrian A.B. is at.
1: Okay, well, it's going to be bye-bye for A.B. because I think Granados is going to steamroll him Ken. What? I think I think this has Maidana written all over it. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know, dude. Granados is, f- is not anything special, but, uh, dude, he was possessed. Possessed his last time out. If he brings that against Broner, man, Broner struggles against fighters like that, man. February
0: 11th, Showtime Championship Boxing at whatever weight. Adrian Broner, Adrian Granados, Ven look, I wanted to try to act like I'm on the other side of the fence for this one. Um, I want Adrian Broner for as much as I love to talk about this clown. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I'd like to see him lose again as much as anybody. I think Adrian has been led to believe that this is just going to be, hey, man, you put some slow Mexican in the ring with me. You know, <laughs> anybody can get it. But, uh, you know, I think I've heard you mention it time and time again when we talk about Adrian Broner on this show is that if there's one fighter in this world that cannot fight going backwards, it is the flat-footed Adrian Broner. And guess what? Adrian Granados, well, yeah, AB, you might look good and more athletic and have quicker punches, and, and, and the people be oohing on for the first four or five rounds, but Adrian Granados is going to keep coming. And, uh, dude... He may not win this fight. If this thing goes 12, he's more than likely not going to get the decision unless this is probably to, in, unless Granados completely dominates this fight.
1: Right. Oh, I'm really interested to see this man. I mean, dude, just look at what Granados did to a mom. A mom's not a, you know, he's a quick, slick boxer, long fighter. Uh, You know, was he ready for all of what Granados bring that night? Maybe not prospect on the rise, I think he probably thought it was going to be a little bit easier night than it was, and I think Broner's going to be thinking the same fucking thing. I think Broner thinks this is easy work, and this ain't easy work. If if you don't take this fight seriously, Granados will steamroll him.
0: Which is why I'm going to make an early prediction and say that Granados is going to steamroll him, because Adrian Broner has been in between being accused of beating up his friends and stealing their money uh, outside of bowling alleys, to choking waitresses, to a suicide watch where he tried to fake his death. Um, t- dude, th- this guy is the opposite of focused on boxing. He is the Julio Cesar Chavez of the black
1: boxing community. He really is. You're exactly right, man. And the. Th- just Granados is just not the type of fighter that you want a guy like Broner facing. No. Because Granado takes his job seriously. He has to. Because he's, he,
0: he, he's deficient in areas where Adrian Broner has been blessed and just has these abilities that other people don't have.
1: He's just got to take your will in the ring, and that's what he's going to do to Broner. He's
0: going to steal his heart. Yeah. He's going to reach in. Take your children.
1: In. Steal your heart. <laughs> take your children. I want to eat your children. <laughs>
0: Oh, straight up uh Indiana Jones Temple of Boom style reach in the chest and just rip it out. Hold it to the sky while it's beating.
1: I thought it was Ace Ventura when he gives him the doggy bag. <laughs> no,
0: that was in Dumb and Dumber. That was dumb and dumber, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, look, at first look, people and I guarantee you, because Adrian Broner fans have no idea who other fighters are. Let's let's be honest. Okay. They're like, oh my boy A B, yeah, he's fighting this week. Who's he fight? I don't know, he to whoop his ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're definitely gonna think that that's what's gonna happen, and they're gonna, dude. When Granados
1: uh, shakes AB's world, oh, he's gonna come out of the gate firing. So get ready, Adrian. You ain't gonna take a couple rounds off.
0: All right, so that's February 11th. If they're smart, to put it in Cincinnati, because Broner ain't selling tickets anywhere else especially against a guy that nobody really knows who he is, unless you saw him whoop up on Amir, Mom.
1: Yeah, no, this is not a ticket seller in Vegas. No, it's not.
0: Um, but one that they might try to stick in Vegas, but I'm hearing it's coming to the East Coast, uh, probably Barclays Center. Danny Garcia versus Keith Thurman. This is the fight that makes Danny Garcia's past transgressions. It's a fight to save boxing, Ken. It's like it's like when you get arrested like for, you know, uh, a small charge, you get arrested for possession of marijuana, you know, you get arrested for, uh, um, you know, d- drunken intoxication. The judge says, you know, we'll, uh, do, you know, we'll sentence you to community service. You do your couple hours of community service and then your sentence is expunged and it's not on your record. This is what Danny Garcia versus Keith Thurman is. This is the fight to expunge the last three years of Danny Garcia's abysmal career. Um, um, I don't believe it's happening. They're telling us it's happening so they can sell tickets to his his shit show against Samuel Vargas. That's why they're telling us it's happening. There's no other reason to announce this fight. It's not happening in March.
1: It may be happening, but it is not happening in March.
0: What tells you about Danny Garcia or Keith Thurman's last two years of their career that says that this fight is going to turn around and happen in March?
1: Nothing. It, it, any little thing goes, here's what's going to happen. Danny Garcia will come out of this fight against Samuel Vargas with some type of minor fucking injury. <laughs> mark mark your fucking calendars. It's a it's a lock. It will delay the fight at least two months. Trust me. It's going to happen. Garcia doesn't fight twice in a five-month stretch. No, he doesn't. It's not. It's just, I'm sorry. He doesn't do it. He doesn't feel he has to. <laughs> he's already a fucking star. So if you think he does, you're a fucking idiot.
0: And apparently Keith Thurman's people are putting out that he's still licking his wounds from the Sean Porter fight.
1: Give me what? A... Come on, man! I mean, that was a tough fight, but it wasn't that goddamn tough. <laughs> you need nine months to lick your wounds. Give me a fucking break, man.
0: Hey, uh, well, in his letter to boxing, he he, he phrased it a little differently. Reflection.
1: Reflection. <laughs> Let me reflect on the last two years of bullshit. You know what's so funny? Look, look! If you
0: go back and listen to our shows two years ago, when we're talking about Keith Thurman, we're talking about. a a Keith Thurman that's on the verge of something, but it's like his biggest fight so far has been Jesus Soto-Carras. Oh, come on, blah, blah, blah. Now we just kind of look back on the last two years of Keith Thurman's career and look back on the entire career and kind of the recent, you know, little, little uh, nuggets of, of of treasure that we've gotten out of Jesus Soto-Carras fights. Dude, I look back on it and I'm like, Keith Thurman's most difficult opponent that he has faced in his entire career has been Jesus
1: Soto Carras. Or, or Diego Chavez. But either way, he, he fought those guys, I believe, back-to-back. Back. And after that happened and he beat both of them he and got, stopped both of them. Very
0: tough fighters. Helped his reputation immensely. And a, a,
1: as a younger guy. This is two, three years ago. Yeah. At that point in time, I'm thinking, dude, this uh, he, he was already one of my favorite prospects. and And finishing two tough fighters like that in tough fights where he got hit and took some big shots oh man caras rocked his world oh chavez rocked him a couple times too he did after that i'm thinking well they're not playing around with this dude's career because those that's those those are two stepping stone fights where you would think after that this guy's fighting the best in the division yeah Eh, wrong pbc Eh, hit the brakes enter pbc yeah enter robert guerrero uh, Richard Schafer,
0: you can actually, you want to go back to the root of the problem I mean, we could blame it on Al Heyman all we want to it's probably Richard Schaefer's fault because yeah. Richard Schafer was you know, he's the one that took all these guys from Golden Boy, told them not to re-up their contracts and go with Al Heyman if Richard Schaefer does not, well listen let's be honest, if Richard Schafer doesn't exist Golden Boy probably doesn't exist because without his money to bail Golden Boy out back in the day, Yeah. so yeah the uh, tangled webs, boxing weaves, but either way Um, Keith Thurman and Danny Garcia's career have not been the same since the, uh, since the PBC and really Danny Garcia's for the last three years. Um, The truth is, is that if they can make this, this fight will actually be the only thing that can salvage sort of the downward, you know, downward trend. That is their career. They look, these guys haven't fallen, you know, all the way to the basement. They have still done good ratings on free TV. I mean, these guys have done well for the eyes that have seen him. The problem is, is that when you, Take the people that have always been there with you, the people that, that are, are along the ride that followed you from the very beginning, the die-hard fans, and you isolate them, and you kind of turn heel on the people that have been there since day one, and, and now all of a sudden, like, oh, yeah, we got these new friends over here. All these people have been watching me on free TV, and I'm still getting paid, so therefore I'm still popular. Let's pump the brakes. I mean, relatively you are popular, but let's realize who drives the sport And it's guys like you and I and the listeners to the Tale of the Tape boxing podcast and those that put in time to this sport are the ones that direct and tell it where it's going to go. Because at the end of the day, the consumers still out of any sport out there, they may be ignored and treated the worst boxing fans are. But let's be honest, at the end of the day, if these guys can't pay their fighters, you know. They can't pay him without us. I mean, maybe Al can. Maybe you can con some trust fund into, or, you know, some hedge fund into giving you a half a billion dollars. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe that's one way to do it. But that way to do it has left a lot wanting. And I would honestly rather be in a room with Danny Garcia and Keith Thurman, uh, the best of both of them, and smoke a blunt with Keith Thurman. In a cherry-flavored blunt wrap.
1: <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Look, man, I, all that being said and, you know, uh, how I feel and that about... That was a lot of random shit, Vin. Yeah, that was. That was quite a bit. <laughs> quite a bit. You need a hobby, my friend. You know too much about boxing. Uh. <laughs> Look, I, I think this fight, no matter what, all, all that shit being said, all the, you know, the downsides and the the cynical side of this fight, i I bet you this is gonna do the biggest numbers that the p b c has done on free t v if it if it is going to be on c b s or Fox
0: I think their best thing that they could do is put this
1: on c b s although
0: yeah. if they want to get back to basics and get back to what butters their bread they'll put this on showtime
1: yeah, but this fight would do close to five million i think at at a peak and may even and may even average five million and that that's with all of that being said about this this fight will be big. If it is, if it ever does come off,
0: but here's the thing, though, it, will it be profitable? And while it doesn't fill anybody's pockets other than the fighters and the parties involved, I mean, what is the end game? That's really my point. Because if, right. it's, if it's not pro- profitable, if yeah, you're doing all those viewers, but how much does it cost you to put this on? How much does it cost you to pay? two of your biggest fighters in your entire organization. I mean, you're talking about after promotion, after purses. How much money's left over? So then that begs the question, if this is the PBC's last stand and we are in Chapter 3 of the PBC, and if it fails, what do they do? They go back to Showtime for less money, oh, yeah. less viewers. Because I can guarantee you one thing. One thing we did learn. While a lot of the free free TV numbers are inflated because they have 10 times the audience of Showtime and HBO, um, I'm sorry, man. What we saw during the PBC was is that Showtime, when their big fights would go on, they'd average 900,000 to a million viewers, dropped to 300,000 and 400,000 viewers. So while all these new people were watching you on free TV, the market the one that butters the bread, the one that will always be there with licensing fees that you don't have to con somebody out of to pay these fighters with. How is Showtime going to be able to fork up a million and a half for Danny Garcia and Keith Thurman when they have not proven ratings on Showtime in forever? Showtime's ratings plummeted while all these overhyped, overinflated, overexaggerated successes of oh, uh, uh, oh, did you see Errol Spence six million viewers? Well, did you know that like 25 million people left their TVs on the same channel after the closing ceremonies of the Olympics?
1: Yeah, those numbers are very, very skewed. You got to have some perspective when talking those numbers. So, those what do Spence the numbers fight?
0: mean if they're not producing money? Because when the money runs out, they have to go back to Showtime. But what we've seen so far, and maybe this run of Showtime fights, Vin catapults their viewership way up. Here comes the boomerang effect that St- that Steven Espinoza's been talking about. Hey, we'll su- we'll let them go run over in those pastures, but they'll come back eventually. Once
1: all the fighters that the PBC builds up in the casual fan base, once they leave and come back to Showtime, they'll all be new subscribers. But where right? have they been the last 2 years? That's fucking that's such a that, that's a retard plan right there. <laughs> I mean, come on. Oh, man. Steven Espinosa would buy that fucking pile of shit.
0: I don't think you and I'd be having such a cynical conversation if if these two guys had remained active and sort of... No. And had a less adversarial relationship with the fans. Let's be
1: honest. Yeah. Keith Thurman is like, dude, if you just would have had like one more legitimate fight somewhere along the lines and weren't so fucking inactive, even if it was a fucking journeyman, just that that you, that's how the fine line you walk as as a fighter these days, dude. This isn't the 80s and 90s where boxers get attention. and you're, This isn't the glory days. Nobody gives a fuck about you, Keith Thurman or Danny Garcia. You are nothing outside of a group of nerds like the two of us right here. That's so fuck off.
0: So why don't they take it to the extreme? If they want to be gimmicky and they want the PBC, they want to make these guys instant stars. Why not go the whole way? Don't just put one foot. Don't just put one toe in the pool. You know what I mean? St- jump in the damn thing. Let's go full WWF personality with these guys, right? Let's start pumping out YouTube videos. Like, you know, back in the day, they used to have the barbershop with Brutus the Barber Beefcake, and they used <laughs> to have, like, wrestlers would have their own little shows. Instead of having the Breadman do a uh, PVC show talking about PVC fights, let's have, like, Keith's. K E E F S, Keith's Corner, and Keith Thurman just sits there on YouTube for 10 minutes and hot boxes a room, ripping bong hits and just talking about whatever comes to his head. I'd watch. You know what I mean? And he comes to a ring in a tie dye shirt, maybe wearing like a, a dreadlock beanie from Jamaica. You know what I'm saying? Carrying two dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so they sit in his corner and they have obnoxious names. You know what I mean? Like Olivia and Elizabeth, his two, his two chihuahua puppies. <laughs> and then and then Danny Garcia comes down with his Phantom of the Opera mask on. Dude, they could go ridiculous with this. And I tell you what, if they did that and it's real boxing on top of that.
1: Oh, it'd be awesome.
0: Oh, this would be a completely different show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's no fucking way they would, but man, would that be hilarious. Oh, it'd be
0: awesome, man. Rastaman, Keith, thurman, coming to the ring, man. All right, DSG March 4th 2017 returns Unified WBC WBA Welterweight Championship. If it happens, I'll watch it. Yeah. PBC unveiled uh 6,238 new fights for uh for 2017. They're going to have 85,000 on Fox FS1. Uh Spike Bounce TV will do 200 shows
1: every week and 243,000 shows total, right? Yeah. 18 shows a day for the ne- for the first 50 weeks and yeah. then 25 shows the last 2 weeks of and the a, year.
0: And a million promise, there's a million TBAs. Oh, okay. Yeah, to be spread across 17 million networks including and not to be forgotten, the Hallmark channel, History 2, and the <laughs> military channel. So uh Vin, um outside of that, considering they haven't announced a single fucking fight, um I'm good. Is that about the end of it?
1: Yeah. Okay. I've had enough PBC, Ken.
0: All right, so let's move on to something interesting. This is definitely tied into the PBC, and we will close episode 137. Uh, December 10th, in the wake of Canelo breaking his hand, money being freed up on HBO, Gennady Golovkin not being able to consummate a fight against his mandatory challenger and Danny Jacobs. HBO steps in with a pocket full of cash, says to Bob Arum. Listen, we may be out of the Manny Pacquiao business, but we are still very much in the bud crawford business terence crawford returns to omaha nebraska and guess who is joining the party then big head john molina oh he about to get knocked out
1: <laughs> <laughs> big oh, head about to catch some big blows
0: looks like old big heads getting the same treatment that uh old charles martin and dominic brazil have gotten before him yeah and old, dominic wade old al's
1: cashing out huh oh,
0: why not john right. molina terence crawford needs a name
1: yeah i guess it's a name
0: we've talked about John Molina almost as much as we've talked about Darnell Boone over the last three years on this show. What do you think? I I
1: don't know how they always (laughs) fucking come up. That's retarded. But yeah, you're right. Yeah.
0: And and actually Darnell Boone's fights are much more exciting. Um, (laughs) Look, John Molina coming off. Look, if you beat Ruslan Provodnikov, regardless of Provodnikov has lost his zeal, if you will, for fighting. Mm -hmm. I mean, the truth is, is that the guy fought one way and it was pretty evident in the John Molina fight that he, um, probably out of that
1: business, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's almost, he, ch- he mentally checked out.
0: Uh, John Molina looked good, I guess, in that fight.
1: Is that possible? It's not very hard to look good against Provodnikov, let's be honest.
0: No, but he looked tragic against Adrian Brunner. Yes. And did. we're talking about a guy in Terrence Crawford that takes the fight game serious. We're talking about a top five pound-for-pound fighter in the world. We're talking about one of the very best, regardless. And I'm one of the people that, I was pissed off at how the Crawford Postal fight won. Not dude, Crawford's my boy. I'm always a Crawford guy. It was the, the Mayweather-esque performance in that fight that just got me thinking like a fucking boxing fan. He watches too much boxing. It's like, dude, is this what we're gonna get for the next six years of this guy's career? But they save the day and throw in a guy that knows no better. This is a total mismatch. This will sell tickets. This will be a sellout in in, in Omaha, and I guarantee you it does probably a million two on HBO. Terrence Crawford is way too much for John Molina Jr. This is a total mismatch.
1: Oh, it's yeah, it's the biggest mismatch that we have so far <laughs> for next year. I look it. It's Ken. I, you know, people will complain about this fight, and and people will will hate on this matchup and hate on Crawford for taking this fight let's be honest he took postal last fight as much shit as we give guys for taking nothing but fucking easy easy fights you you kind of in, in the landscape of boxing nowadays you got to give him a fucking pass right yeah, yeah he just took his tough fight he's gonna take a fucking easy fight nobody goes back-to-back tough fights anymore what do you think this is 1989 <laughs> come on
0: yeah look okay so it's on both ends of the spectrum while On paper, this thing is a total mismatch, like I just said. John Molina is just dumb enough to maybe sell out a little bit early on. Terrence Crawford's a slow starter. We talked about this on our YouTube video that we released here in a a few days where we discuss this fight a little bit more in depth. There are some things that can make this fight intriguing, and it's those factors. But at the end of the day, man, we're talking about a guy that puts his head literally parallel to the canvas when he throws his punches. Yeah. Fighting against the guy that, well, he's better than you left-handed and (laughs) (laughs) right-handed.
1: Yeah. Look, he boxed Ruslan Provodnikov and we've never really seen Molina fight in that style. But guess what? I could box Ruslan Provodnikov for a few rounds. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. He's not uh, Provodnikov's Just the type of fighter that lets you punch him in the face. And if you have any, semblance of foot movement in your game you will be fine yeah um
0: yeah that's fine whatever yeah i get it the breaking bread bob arum al Heyman. if it leads to better things great um we've seen al Heyman serve up you know has-beens and never will be as as b-sides yep that is exactly what this is whatever criticize it love it i'm gonna watch it because i I will uh, watch it bud crawford's gonna put on a show
1: yes he will finish this thing quickly so then who wins the fight oh, come on it's gonna be over in six rounds Ken. Like he's gonna knock him out six seven rounds this thing's gonna be over yeah you think um
0: there'll be enough centrifugal force to pull molina's head actually through the canvas you think it'll go straight <laughs> through the canvas into the earth's core Or do you think it's more balanced than that? Uh, I think this. And we'll just roll out of the ring. I think,
1: yeah, I think he's (laughs) going to start to tumble in one direction and and you ain't stopping it.
0: (laughs) So there you have it. December 10th, uh, Omaha, Nebraska will host Terrence Crawford versus John Molina Jr. You know what? If anything else, it'll be something to watch that will be exciting because the folks in Omaha love when Bud comes to fight.
1: Oh, yeah, that crowd will be raucous.
0: Absolutely. So the Unified WBC and WBO Junior Welterweight Championship on the line. Tons of fight announcements. We have the 2,473,000 PBC fights still to announce. (laughs) We'll probably release that in, I don't know, probably a 15-minute video.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think cover that it. covers it. Yeah, that, that, that should cover everything.
0: I mean, honestly, how many times can you actually, how many times do you think we can say the word bullshit then in in 15 minutes?
1: Um, 2 million, 5,000? Yeah, when speaking on the PBC, yeah. About five a second, I think.
0: Yeah, so that'll cover all the PBC fights once those finally get announced. We're still waiting then. Anthony Joshua, is it Melina or is it David Price? Because we are getting the okey-doke left and right and they still have not announced it.
1: Where's it Antonio Tarver?
0: Ooh. Hey, hey, hey Antonio Tarver. <laughs>
1: um, does it really matter? No. I think it's complete bullshit at this point. This is uh, you know, whether guys are prepared or not, the the the, the way this is uh had, has been dragged out is come on, man. We're get, you're you're putting somebody in the ring that's going to be completely unprepared. Seriously. <laughs> I guess that's the You sh- are handcuffing whoever unless this guy has been Whoever you pick has already been in training, which let's be honest. I'm sure Eddie Hearn sent out a flyer to about five guys that were like, you might, you might hit the jackpot. You might want to start training now. We'll be, we'll get back to you shortly. Seriously. That's probably what the fuck he, what, what, he, what they did. And then it says at the very bottom PS
0: Scott Quigg's making his comeback. <laughs>
1: Who gives a fuck?
0: Well, I guess there's nothing else to say on this episode, is
1: there, Vin? No, I think that about uh, covered everything.
0: All right, so I guess we must uh, leave all of those in the boxing universe that are tuned in to episode 137 until uh, next time, Vin. Oh, really? We'll yeah? actually be back with a post-fight next week. Can you believe it? We do, those still? I know. It seems like forever. Well, we, hey, we did the Wanma post-fight. <laughs> I guess. Wish somebody would have told us that he was going to fight the trainer from the corner. We previewed that fight.
1: (laughs) Fuck, that shit was a circus, boy. Especially as bad as October was.
0: (laughs) Oh, but November will be here tomorrow. And then Saturday night, top-ranked pay-per-view. It is the return of the Pac-Man. Manny Pacquiao as he squares off against Jesse Vargas. You've been tuned in to the pound-for-pound King of Boxing podcast, The Tale of the Tape. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. Please follow us on Twitter, at Kenny Keith Jr., and at Vince Cummings 81. Be sure to drop by Boxingrant.com today. And subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and of course, Spreaker. And if you have not checked out the latest videos from Vin and I at The Boxing Rant, drop by YouTube and subscribe today to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel but we'll be back next week with the post fight of Pacquiao versus Vargas and much more you've been listening to episode 137 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast Muchas gracias everybody